But grab your Bibles if you haven't done it so far. I was going to preach tonight on worship, but I'm going to wait till tomorrow night. Because I, ha I kept hearing this knock in my spirit today. Now last night I preached on, I resigned. The, the difference in the anointing and the glory. But, but I'm, I'm going to shift back into talking about the anointing tonight. Is that all right? Because it's the anointing that can grab hold of a 16-year-old kid and say, you're going to preach the gospel when I had zero desire to go into ministry. It's the anointing that takes us into places, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I'll prove it in just a moment, but I've got to preach this simply called who's at your door. And, and in the eight, uh, chapter eight of rebuilding the altar, we wrote a chapter on how to restore the altar in your family. And, and this is one of the people that we talked about right here, but I, I need you to understand. I'm really excited about this year because 2017 was a war. It was a battle. But then when we got ready to go into 2018, I got exciting because I started studying the number 18. And the number 18 in the Hebrew means life, resurrection, chai. And immediately the Lord took me to Isaiah 43 verse 18 where the, where the Bible says, forget the, the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. But see, I must say this again. When you lose your purpose, you embrace passivity. And we've got a whole lot of spiritual zombies in this generation. They know who God is, but they've forgotten how to walk in purpose. Oh, I'm going somewhere. And most of us, the problem is we want the blessings of the Lord without the relationship of God. And that just turns him into a harlot. And God says, I'm looking for some people that can walk with me. Somebody shout amen. amen. So I want to warn you about this message tonight because I'm reminded of, of uh, New Year's, right around New Year's Eve. Pastor John Kilpatrick called us and he said to Karen and I, he said, get ready. This is going to be a year of interruptions. We didn't understand that. And I'm reminded of years ago, Reinhard Bunke saying to me, Pat, you would have revival if you didn't let your calendar get in the way. And so this whole year has been supernatural outpourings from Wisconsin over and over again to Miami last weekend to all these different places. And through that, God says, what if I were to start interrupting the services? What if I started walking in? So at any point God walks in, the altar's open because people are going to get free tonight. We're going to break the lies of culture off of you tonight. And in just a few minutes, when we step into this word, we're laying, when we get into the, the altar experience, we're going to lay hands on everybody in this room. Anybody ready for this? I wish you'd just give God a shout right now because I got to preach. But I must warn you that the next part of this message as I move into it is going to make you angry because there's a terrorist called lethargy on a generation. And we're raising a Saul generation that loves worship more than word because it soothes their demons. But what you have to understand, you've got to have the worship and the word that plows things up. Well, the worship plows it up. The word goes in. So I want you tonight to understand that there's a moment where we confront a terrorist that has been confronting some of you. Been standing at the end of your bed when you wake up. And you have to understand there's a home invasion taking place across America. And it's a spirit that's walked into homes of perversion and a spirit that's walked in of lethargy and God told me to come and tell you it's time to lock the front door on hell somebody give him a praise across this room 
So I've come to tell you tonight, wake up and get angry. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 4, looking at verse 1, we're going to go there, and I'm going to take you on a journey for just a few minutes. And I said the word journey just so I could be hip. Now watch. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he's revered the Lord. But now his creditor, if I say creditor, you better know the devil has got his hand out right now. You better know that the devil wants to file bankruptcy on households and on families on this generation. You know, have to know that he got excited when a school right outside of Miami, when some lunatic walked in and shot and killed 17 babies. See, you have to understand his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. We understand that. Why do you think 25% of a generation is dead because of abortion? And so you have to realize from the moment you were born, actually the moment you were conceived, at that very moment, all hell began to fight you. Just you being in this room is a miracle tonight. Just you getting in the car, riding with somebody, coming into this place is a miracle because everything in his power, he has tried to stop you. But it goes on to say, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two sons away as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? I mean, she just told him. But, uh, but I flow in the prophetic, and after I get done preaching, I do the same. I ask questions that I've already been told. Now, here you go. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Reminded of Belshazzar's feast right in the middle of the supper in Daniel chapter 5. A hand came across the wall that says, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. I've often said to my family that, that my number one prayer is that they want to be pastored by me. That when I wake up in the morning, I realize I'm the spiritual thermostat. My job doesn't begin when I pull out of the driveway. It begins when I pull in the driveway. And my greatest concern is that I won't have anything in my house to confront hell. Oh, you're not getting this yet. That's all right. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small pot, a small jar of oil. So you have to understand, here's Elisha. Here's a man that watched his mentor get raptured, and that will change you when you see your mentor get raptured. Here's a man that had walked beside Elijah, and on the very last day, they were walking. They went to uh, uh, different places. They went to Gilgal, which means removing the old. Then they went to Bethel, which means house of God, because God removes the old and takes you to the house of God. Then they went to Jericho, and Jericho is the place where you have to let go of everything, because nothing survives in Jericho. So you have to go to those three places, and then you go to the Jordan. What does the Jordan always represent? And it means the place of faith. It means walking where you've never walked before, stepping in. And just as he's, his mentor is about to be taken to heaven, Elijah looked at Elisha and said, tell me, what do you want before I'm taken from you? And he said, give me a double portion. Put me around somebody in the ministry that's greedy for the anointing. I'm an anointing. Karen and I always say we want to be accused of shoplifting in a store called the anointing. 
I have crawled on my knees to some of the greatest God, men of God and women of God in America. I've got down in front of them. I laid my head in a man named Bill Bright's lap and, and two, a week later he would be dead and I said, I'm not getting in the cab and leaving your house till you pray over me. I am an anointing thief. I mean, I will walk up to people. I don't care if I'm in an airport. I'll stop them and say, lay hands on me right here because I want a little bit of what somebody else has got. In fact, I got a coat of many colors. I got a patch of fire over here and a patch of blessing over here. Somebody ought to get excited. But what you got to realize what do you have in your house i have nothing left in my home except a little bit of oil somebody shout the anointing breaks the yoke this woman was startled because the mundane can be the seductress of the supernatural but she says something in this first verse. She says, my husband was a friend of the prophets. I did not understand it, so I had to go deeper. I had to start studying that. What does that even mean? My husband was, a, why is she going to talk to Elisha, who now carries a double portion, who is now the prophet of the day, who would do 16 miracles. Elijah did eight miracles, but Elisha asked for double miracles, so he did 16. The last one happened after he had died, because God always finishes what he starts. In fact, the Bible says oh, over in First Kings, or Second Kings, First Kings chapter 13, that he's laying in a open tomb and he's dead his bones are laying there and a man falls on the bones they throw a dead man on them on his bones by accident and the man comes back to life because 